Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Wait, you've got to be kidding me. Let's get this untwisted. Hi everyone, welcome back to the Twisty Pod. It is a beautiful Sunday evening here in Seattle, Washington, and I'm so lucky to have you. I don't know why I just said that. I sounded like a radio broadcast announcer, but here we are. I am I'm in a little bit of a weird mood, to be honest with you. Uh I, I was having a fine Sunday, a little bit of Sunday scaries, but an overall fine day. And then Keith and I were doing, I don't know, just some random Zillow shopping as we love to do. If you're not versed in the sport of Zillow shopping, essentially we love to just go on Zillow and look up potential homes in the area. Like just find something that looks fun and a possibility of buying a home, which when I was little, I used to think that was the scariest, most forever option out there. You know, like if you buy a home, it has to be something that you're sticking in forever. I'm talking a whole lot with my hands right now. I'm totally cognizant of that. I'm sorry. I'll put them, I'll put them in my lap unless you prefer it on the video. I don't know. But yeah, so I used to think that if you bought a home, that was it. That's where you stayed forever. I mean, I was lucky enough to grow up in a forever home. Like my parents lived in the house that I still grew up in to this day. Like they've been there for, I don't know, like 26 years or something wild. No, maybe less than that. I don't know. But anyways, I used to just think you had to just find a home and it was very permanent. But as I've gotten older, I've realized that's not exactly the case. You know, you can buy homes, you can keep them to own and rent out, or you can just move on and find something new. I mean, if you have the ability to buy a home, that's phenomenal. But I I think I thought a home was so set in stone and renting was the only option until you were ready to buy a house to raise a family in. But now I've realized that's certainly not the case. And if I'm able to, I would love to be able to buy a home in the next few months or so, just because I sort of feel like with renting at times, I'm throwing my my money away. But I'm I'm getting down a deep path here. 
Anyways, we go on Zillow. We just have fun. We look around in the area. We see houses that are kind of in our price range or just things that look cool. You know, they show up new listings probably every single day, multiple times a day. So we found this one house and it was adorable and it was new and it was pretty and it was fairly expensive, but fairly reasonable. And I, of course, get very excited. I get very invested. And immediately I'm like, oh my gosh, this house is so cool. I want to be able to go see it. Like, I love this idea, blah, blah, blah. And Keith has his real estate license. So, you know, through his boobity-bobbity-bee, whatever website he goes on, he can open up any house. I mean, I don't know all the details and whatnot, but he has the ability to show a house, you know, as an agent, essentially. So he's like, well, let's let's go do it, you know? So we went to go see this house as potential buyers, you know? And then once you get there, you know, you kind of start to see things and you're like, oh, well, this is cool, but it kind of needs this. And I like this, but I don't love that. And, you know, you weigh all these pros and cons out, but I'm not like that. I definitely do see those pros and cons, of course, but I also am such an optimist and I get way too stinking excited and I get very attached very easily, very quickly. So we see this house, we see it in person and immediately I'm sold. I mean, not necessarily, (laughs) but I love it. Like I fell in love with it. And then he's like, no, Tay, like we can't do this because it doesn't have that. And come on, like, you know, these were some things that we knew we just couldn't really compromise on. And we're not trying to be unrealistic here. Like it's simple things like a driveway or I don't know. But anyways, he he's like, you know, it, it's just not worth it. Like this price is wild. It's just blah, blah, blah. And I get I get kind of mopey because I fall in love with things and I just was introduced to this house like hours before and instantly I'm like, okay, this is where my office is going to be. Look at all this natural lighting. I can put this over there. This is where my bedspread's going to go. Like I have the whole plan mapped out. So when it doesn't go to plan, um, I get a little bit upset and that's totally, that's totally on me, but it does, it does get me a little bummed out. So ever since then we went on a walk and then I was like, you know what? I need to just talk this out. I need to go on the podcast and also put it behind me because I want to finally, finally do an episode where I talk a little bit more in depth on my study abroad experience. Uh, There's no particular reason why I've kind of waited a long time to go into depth other than just a little bit of embarrassment. And also I think of studying abroad as a very, very big privilege. So I've never wanted to come on to a podcast, which is very much of an open voice platform. That's not a good way to put it, but it's my podcast where I get to choose the topics I want to talk about. And there's nobody telling me left, right, or center on what things I should be saying. So if I come on here and I start talking about an experience that is very, very fortunate and I have no understanding of the gravity that it holds or even just, you know, not even like cross-checking myself because I am the quote-unquote producer of this, it just feels very, I don't know, like first world to me. So I don't want to... Uh, not acknowledge that. I think that's kind of why I've danced around the topic for a bit. But at the same time, I also don't want to be one of those people who never shuts up about their study abroad experience. 
But I think it's a very, very valuable piece of information to share if you yourself have ever been interested in studying abroad or if you just have interest in the topic itself. It's really, really fascinating and I was somebody who definitely teeter-tottered around the subject or even just the idea of going abroad for a very long time. So I kind of just want to dive into like, I don't know, my pros, my cons, my experience in maybe more of a general sense. And if this totally interests you, we can go down to like nitty gritty questions in a follow-up episode or something. But I also have a very uh, hard memory to recall things from. It's very hard for me to just on the spot remember things. I have to be reminded of them through pictures or through my journal. I brought the journal that I used every single day in Florence and I'll talk about that as well. But yeah, so sometimes I need like, I don't know, reminders, I suppose, or even just questions. Like I put up a question box on the Twisty Pot Instagram and even seeing those questions kind of helped me I don't know, be reminded of certain experiences and whatnot. So yeah, I I think I've waited a while to talk about this because I get nervous and I'm no pro. I mean, I'm not a college counselor or I'm not somebody who knows every single thing about the entire process, but I did go myself and that at least is a little bit of something. And just in general, it's a fun topic, you know, like, I mean, who doesn't love just traveling, seeing the world, enjoying yourself? So to give you just a general understanding, introduction, etc. I studied abroad my junior year of college in the first semester. So fall semester, junior year. I would say, I don't know how it works with schools who do quarters, but I would assume that you would study abroad for one quarter. Uh, just depends on what time of year you prefer. Oftentimes it could even be dependent on what classes are offered in the fall, in the spring, the winter, whatever. But for me, I knew I wanted to go in the fall. A lot of my friends were going in the fall and it's most popular at my school to go in the fall semester, especially junior year. So my eldest sister studied abroad. She went to Paris and she went to England and she had the absolute best time of her life. And she is at least a lot older than me in school terms. I think she's seven years older than me or seven grades, quote unquote, older than me. So she went when I was itty bitty and I always thought, oh my gosh, like that's so neat. I can't wait till I get to do that one day. But when my time came, I kind of always was stuck in this idea of I don't want to be just like anybody else. And just like anybody else, quote unquote, was studying abroad in very, uh, I don't know what the right word is, like just popular areas to study abroad. So mostly that can be Paris. It can be Italy, like Rome, Florence, especially, or even England. Um, those were really common places, at least at my university. And I just, I don't know why I was super against that. I thought, you know what? Everybody does that. I hated the idea of just being another person who studies abroad in the same city as everybody else and just has the same experience. I don't, it just, it bothered me. So I was very defiant. I think that's probably a good word to use. I just, I felt like a rebel, (laughs) not at all, but I just, I wanted to be independent, I think, which is a big, bold statement for somebody like me to say, because I am a very dependent person. I hate being alone. I love being with friends. I love being with people. So I don't know why I was so hung up on that idea other than just my own 
pride, I guess. But it took me a lot, a lot of convincing to finally settle on the location that I went to. But I spent, I think it was one Christmas break where I kind of needed to start making decisions uh, for the following year where I was going to go. And I sat on the kitchen table with my mom and my sister and I basically weighed out pros and cons for all of the locations I was even considering. And of those locations, even bring it back a step, they had to be at least approved in some sense by my university, Gonzaga. So Gonzaga, at least in my experience or in my case, I wanted it to be seamless. I didn't want to have to worry too much about transferring credits or I didn't want to have to worry about going to a program that wasn't approved by Gonzaga because at the end of the day, you're studying abroad. I think sometimes that gets forgotten about because of course you just want to go for the experience, but the actual studying part is important because you want to go and make sure that your semester's not for nothing. I think I was starting to narrow things down from a program in London uh, maybe a program in the Netherlands, a program in Belgium. I, it's it's all over. Just bear with me. Uh, Florence was on there, but it wasn't, you know, top of mind. Then I think even one in Prague because I wanted to go. That's where I've had family. That's where a lot of my ancestors are from. I wanted to go see what the Czech Republic would be like. Then a little bit in New Zealand or Australia. So it was a little bit spread, mainly in Europe. But I did have a draw to Australia or New Zealand as well. And it took me like a very long conversation with my mom to essentially realize that I am not the type of person who could go to some place like the program I was looking at in Prague and I could thrive easily on my own. I would have been totally alone in a very small program in a place I definitely did not speak the language and just didn't have, or I wouldn't have had much guidance. And I think in my condition, just as a person who appreciates direction and appreciates being around other people and familiarity, I think that would have been really, really hard for me. And she kind of just, you know, laid it out very truthfully and said, you know what, Taylor, I don't think you're going to thrive there as much as maybe you'd like to, but put it on your bucket list and you'll make it a weekend and you can go travel there. And I was like, okay, I'll put my dignity aside for one little sec, or I guess my pride. And you're, you're probably right. So at the end of the day, I think we kind of ended up narrowing it down to making a decision that if I wanted to apply to someplace, it should be Florence. And the reason why this was going to be the absolute best option, at least in my case, was because my school actually has another campus in Florence. So it's literally called Gonzaga in Florence. Like that is the name of the campus. There are Gonzaga professors there. It is an actual school with multiple classrooms and a gym and a a health office, you know, like it is, it's a, it's a school. It's really small, but it is actually Gonzaga run. So you do not have to worry about credits. You're still a Gonzaga student. You're still being supported by Gonzaga. You don't have to worry about transferring money, like for admissions. It's basically your hand is being held nearly the entire time, not during the program. I mean, you had the liberty to go off and, and do whatever you wanted, but as far as getting your visa or making sure you had insurance abroad, just things that I don't think you often consider, Gonzaga and Florence was the perfect, perfect option. And I think we abbreviated it as GIF, G-I-F, Gonzaga and Florence. So I might refer to it as that 
moving forward. But it was just the most premium experience as far as me needing a place that was going to take good care of me. And also, because I was still going to be a Gonzaga student, I applied there. I was having a good chance of getting in and I was offered a scholarship, which made it even more feasible for me to actually go there. So at that point, you know, I was I was getting excited when you start to learn that you're going with, I think we had, I could be wrong in the numbers, but I want to say it was something like 180 other students from Gonzaga or 180 total that would be going with me, but mainly they were from Gonzaga, but it was also offered to any other school. So if you were a student at some random university in, I don't know, South Carolina, you could apply to Gonzaga and Florence and you could get in. So we had students that went to Gonzaga and Florence from campuses all over the United States. For the most part, they were mainly students from other Jesuit universities. So LMU was a big one, USF, University of San Francisco. Uh, I think maybe one or two from Chicago or I want to say there was one from New York or New Jersey or something. So it was it was kind of neat because there were students that went to Gonzaga and Florence that weren't from Gonzaga. So you still got to meet other people, but you also had the opportunity to experience this city that you wanted to study abroad in, but with friends that you were going to still develop lasting relationships with because you'd be going back to your campus with them once the semester was over. And I think that to me was so important because I I was nervous that I wouldn't meet anybody that I was able to build a connection with if I went to a random university and I didn't know how to speak the language and I was just timid and nervous and I can be definitely really shy. So I think that was always in the back of my mind. But knowing that I was going to essentially be in class with students that were also going to be at Gonzaga with me in my graduating class or just friends that I would meet from around the world, that was really, really cool. I mean, it was big enough that one of my best friends from my high school ended up going with me and studying abroad in Florence with me almost unknowingly because she went to another Jesuit university. She applied, she got into Gonzaga and Florence and we got to experience Europe together. It was absolutely incredible. So that's kind of why I essentially narrowed it down to Florence and hand on my heart, I would never pick a different city to study abroad in if I had to redo it all over from the beginning. It was the absolute most beautiful, most unique, coolest city that's almost like a town that's just beyond beautiful in, in every single way. And I also think because I went to Gonzaga where studying abroad in Florence was almost the thing to do, like almost everybody went to Florence. It's also a very affluent university. Sorry, I keep coughing so much. I don't know what's going on. But I think because everybody went there, it also made it seem like if you didn't go, you weren't fully having the Gonzaga experience. And that's a podcast for a different day. But it it kind of made it a part of your your college life, I guess. Starting just like from the broad perspective of what my program entailed, I went to school Monday, Tuesday, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday. I'm pretty sure that's when our classes were. Like I said, sometimes I need to like jog my memory. We had classes Mondays, Tuesdays, and Thursdays. There was no classes on Fridays 
probably because they were promoting exploration of Florence, of Tuscany, of Europe in general. On Wednesdays, you had kind of what would have been like museum days. Because Florence is such an art-heavy city, uh, a lot of people took their art credit when you were in Florence because we had a I went to a liberal arts school, so we had an art credit that we needed to get in order to graduate. So I took my art credit in, oh golly, I don't even know if I can remember the name. I think it was like Florentine Studies. Every single Wednesday, we would go and we'd tour a different museum in the area. That was amazing. But yeah, so I scheduled my classes to be pretty much from 8 a.m. to noon every single day. And then from noon on, I would either go on an outdoor walk. I'd go explore the city. I'd go get gelato. I'd go study in a random coffee shop. I might, I don't know, like go do some cool event or something. If it was in the Christmas time, I'd go to a Christmas market. It sounds so angelic when I'm reflecting on it. And it's truly because it was like, it is just living in a dream every single day. And I intentionally did that. I think I took enough credits that I was fine, but I didn't stress myself out. I want to say I was in 16, which actually sounds like a lot looking back, but I was taking one online class. And I think when I was actually in Florence, I was only in person for 12 credits. So it wasn't that, that bad. And I wanted it to be that way. You know, I wanted to be able to have the flexibility to leave and go wherever on the weekends and just enjoy myself or take a Thursday afternoon flight instead of having to wait until Friday, whenever, you know, I just wanted to be able to explore as much as possible. Like I mentioned, it was Gonzaga classes. So I signed up through Gonzaga. I picked all my teachers through Gonzaga. It was very, very seamless in that way. And I think if you have the ability to find a program through your school, just give it a chance. Look into it because I cannot tell you how much pain it avoided. Even just looking back at my friends who studied abroad in New Zealand, for example, they had a fantastic time, but there was just a few more hoops and hurdles they had to go through or jump over in order to make sure that they didn't fall behind on their classes or they graduated on time or all of the things that they were taking in those countries were still going to transfer over to the university. So that's just things that you want to make sure of obviously, before you even leave or before you even sign up for those classes. And I would say if your school is even endorsing studying abroad, they're going to have some sort of counselor or even full-time employee or employees who are literally designated to help you do all of that. Like I spent the first, I don't even know, three months or so of the semester prior to when I left or even the summer just doing passport stuff, doing visa stuff, so many applications, just making sure that all of your paperwork is set in stone. And they held my hand through the entire thing. Think glory be. So as far as the classes I took though, uh, I took Italian, of course. That was my favorite class probably of all time. I had an incredible teacher and she was really, really neat. That was another thing that we did on Wednesdays as well. I totally forgot. On Wednesdays, you could either, I think... It was kind of up to the Italian teacher's choice, but if you did take Italian, they wanted you to go do like some sort of experiential class in the city on Wednesdays. So maybe before I would go to the museum, sometimes we'd go out to a coffee shop and she'd say, okay, go up and, and order a cappuccino, order a croissant, whatever, and obviously order in Italian. So I was practicing in the real world. 
that was very ner- nerve-wracking. If I could order un cappuccino, <laughs> uh, I tried. Um, but it was amazing. And for the longest time, I still was doing a very good job of keeping up my Italian even after I left. But it's pretty hard once I got back to Washington and nobody around me speaks Italian. Like there's no Italians in Washington, at least not around where I am. So that was kind of hard, but I I still do Duolingo sometimes. I still have an Italian keyboard on my phone. So I try my best, but even just having the class while I was there was so amazing. And I would say anybody who took Spanish or another romantic language in high school had a really easy time translating over to learning Italian because, you know, there's just a lot of derivatives from the different languages. I would say it was a little bit harder for me because uh, if you remember, I took four years of Latin, which proved to be so beyond helpful in so many asses of my life, I say sarcastically, but nonetheless, it was so, so helpful. So I took that. Um, I think I had to take, like I said, an art class. I took a religion and I think I took a philosophy, which are all like Gonzaga necessary classes. Everything was fine. Everything was fun. Nothing was too, too hard. Uh, I think in some ways, you know, they they want it to be that way. They don't want to stress you out too much, which again, is just another perk of being at Gonzaga in Florence. But I still was challenged. Like, don't get me wrong. I still had to study a lot. I still had a lot of homework and I didn't not study abroad, but it never was impairing me in any way. Is that the right word to use? It, it never held me back, I suppose. So those were all of the classes I took. And I, I honestly tried to get them done, get them done in the morning. I scheduled that. I scheduled them that way intentionally because I just did not want to stress out about them when I could be finding a new favorite gelato shop across the bridge. Um, and that was the way to do it. And I tried to get all of my friends who were with me to do the same. Wasn't always successful, but for the most part, you know, you end up finding friends who have the same sort of schedule as yourself. Um, As far as living goes, I guess I need to dive into that as well. This was another very unique thing with Gonzaga and Florence. So you essentially had two options when you signed up. You could do a homestay where you lived with a family or just a single individual. You might be by yourself or you might be with maybe one or two other students, oftentimes from the same program. Um, Or you could stay in what's called a pensione. I chose the pensione route, I think mainly out of nerves. I was very nervous. I would be paired with maybe a family or a person that maybe I didn't vibe with, or maybe I just wanted my own space. It didn't make a lot of sense looking back. Like I I don't have many good reasons other than maybe just feeling a bit fearful, but I kind of went the safe route. I don't know if I would necessarily say that's the right or the wrong choice, but that's what I did. So instead of living with a family, I lived in a pensione, which is essentially, uh, in our case, kind of like a small hotel or essentially a small dorm room, kind of. We lived in, in our class, I want to say there was four or five different pensiones. Uh, Each of them were different sizes. Some of them had 15 students in them. Some of them had, I think mine had 40. I think mine was the biggest. Some of them had 20, et cetera, et cetera. And per pensione, it would either be two, three, or four people to a single room. And it was 
I think, perfect. I am so glad that I ended up doing that. I became super close. I became super close with the two girls that I roomed with. I was in a triple and our beds were literally just, you know, neck and neck. It was me and one other girl basically sleeping like six inches apart from each other. And we hadn't really known each other at all prior to the trip. And then we left like just fabulous friends. So that was kind of cool. And then our other friend was basically at our feet. So we had three beds just kind of nestled in there together, a giant dresser that held all of our clothes, um, and then a bathroom with a toilet, a sink, and a bidet, which we didn't really use because we were a little bit intimidated by, but it was a weird bidet. It wasn't a normal bidet, <laughs> but um, yeah. I, also, it had a shower in it too. So that was nice. I mean, it was cute. It was quaint. Um, the the perk of having a pensione, just like a homestay, of course, was that they fed you every single day. We got breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I want to say we got breakfast every single day if we wanted it, but they didn't they weren't required to give us food on the weekends because they were kind of under the assumption that students would be out and about doing whatever. They could still be in the city. They could be in a different country. So we got meals, I think Monday through Thursday, or maybe it was Sunday through Thursday, um, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Breakfast was a little bit more self-serve. Lunch was literally three courses. And the more I say this, the more obnoxious it sounds, but it was very, I don't want to use the word basic because it wasn't at all, but maybe just simple, I suppose. Um, So much love and just so much fun was in those pensiones though. It was a nice time to just hang out with people that maybe you weren't in classes with or you didn't get a chance to connect with in any other way. The lunches were fabulous. It was always pasta. You always started with pasta. Then usually uh, some sort of entree. It could be like a chicken or I don't know, some other type of meat or protein. And then they always offered dessert as well. And then dinner was something of the same. So it was just a blast. Like when I think back on the pensione and I'm really glad I ended up doing that. I would say it was a little bit more rambunctious than probably a homestay was, but it was neat because I think a lot of the people that I stayed with in Florence, or at least were in my pensione, weren't necessarily in my friend group prior to going to Florence. So there were so many people, even one of my best friends now, I became almost best friends with there. Like we hadn't really known each other. And now she lives right around the corner from me and she's one of my closest friends in the area and just in general. So I feel so lucky that I chose that decision. And of course, you know, it's the only decision that I know, but also one of my best friends had an incredible time in homestay. She ended up staying for an entire year and she probably wouldn't change her experience for the world. So it's it's going to be amazing in whatever you end up choosing. Um, I think if you do do a homestay, I think it's neat if the school or whomever can allow you to meet them somehow prior to uh, actually going there. Because what if you just don't like it? I don't know. That could be kind of nerve wracking. But you're going to be loved and have a loving experience. I don't think anybody would take you into their home if they weren't open to just meeting people from around the world, sharing their food with you, sharing their home. Like that's a very, very kind thing to do. So it's going to be a fabulous experience either way. But uh, I think that the pensione was just a great way for me to be able to connect with my like fellow Gonzaga students or LMU students, whomever. I think it was totally worth it. And in the end, I wouldn't, 
I wouldn't have changed a thing. I would say it is kind of weird because there weren't any times that I felt like I was ever alone. I had to intentionally find ways to be alone. Like if I wanted to go on a walk by myself, a lot of times people would be like, oh, you know, I want to get out. Like I'm going to go with you. And you'd never want to say no to somebody, but sometimes you are like surrounded by people at all times. You're always in class or you're always in the city or you're always in a pensione or you're in a triplet or a triple room, you know, and there's always just people around you. And sometimes you just need your space. That might be a very um, niche perspective of the experience, but it was hard for some people who are very introverted and they just need their time alone to recharge or you just kind of want a second to breathe. Like I had to not be rude, but sometimes you're like, okay, I just, I got to go to my room. I need my space. And actually one of my closest friends chose to intentionally get a single because she knew like she just wanted her own space. She didn't want to live with anybody else. And I respect that so much because she probably thrived her best because she had every single night to herself. She could unwind by herself. She didn't have to answer to anybody else or clean up after anybody else. That was probably really smart on her part. So that was definitely not much of a con, but it was it was a hard thing to get past. And also, um, my friend Allie and I, she always jokes about this even to this day, but there was a point in the semester when I just kind of thought, or we both thought, we will never not be exhausted. Like we will always be tired. I will never not be tired again in my life. Because if you think about it, when you're studying abroad, you want to do absolutely everything at every possible waking moment because when are you going to have the opportunity to do it again? And that sounds so cliche, but it really is true. So you're always wanting to say yes to as many things as possible. Even when you're just exhausted, somebody's like, you know what, let's go out to the bar, let's go have a drink. You're like, well, do I go to sleep or do I go have a fun night out in Florence? A lot of times you end up going out and having a fun night, even though you probably maybe just wanted to go to bed. But that's just kind of what the semester entails. And you know what? I never regretted times that I went out. I also don't think I regretted any times that I was just like, you know what? <laughs> I need I need to sleep. I need to sleep. But either way, I mean, you're going to enjoy whatever your experience entails. If that means absolutely no bars or absolutely every single night in bed, like you're going to make the most of of what your experience is like. I remember before I left, I talked with my eldest sister, Ashley, the one who who studied abroad in Paris and London, and I was just kind of, you know, asking for general tips, and she's just like a book of knowledge, like a, she's just a wealth of information, and I remember her saying, the one thing I think people don't always get right when they study abroad is that they sometimes forget to, this is going to sound silly, but study abroad in the city that they chose. Because when you go, you're often so focused on seeing other places, you forget to even explore Florence in my case, because every single weekend, that's your time off. You know, you want to go to other parts of Italy. You want to go to Paris. You want to go to London, wherever. But you also have to enjoy the place that you chose to be in. And I do think that I tried to do that as best as I could. I want to say that I was there for 16 weeks total and I think I spent eight of those weeks in Florence and eight of them elsewhere, or at least eight of them like kind of in Tuscany of sorts. And I think I was really happy with that decision because 
not only did I kind of get to recharge a little bit on the weekends I did stay, but I also felt like I knew that city so stinking well because I didn't just reserve my weekends for other areas around the country. You know, like I wanted to know Florence. I wanted to leave feeling like a little bit of a fake Florentine, you know, as much as I can pretend to proclaim that I am. I wanted to feel like I actually knew where I was studying and not just, oh yeah, you know, like I studied abroad in Florence, but every single weekend I went somewhere else. And during the week, you know, you say you're going to go off and go wherever in the city and you're going to go explore and you're going to do this. But sometimes school gets in the way or you want to go work out or you just want to relax. Like you get tired and things pop up and that's totally fine. But I would always say that as a huge recommendation. Like just don't forget the place that you intentionally went to study in, you know? But I chose, I'm going to have to pull up a map because I always forget unless I'm actually looking at something. But I chose kind of intentionally on where I wanted to visit every single weekend. Uh, And if I could go back, I would probably, I think I'd probably choose a few more places just because they're I didn't have enough time. Like I just didn't. There was not enough time in the world. I wish that there was, but there was also so many places that I would never have said no to, you know, that almost happened to be an accidental trip and I ended up loving it. So we started our trip. This is actually a cool part about Gonzaga and Florence. We started our entire semester with an opening trip where essentially they gather everybody in one city and they kind of give you like an introduction as a group, you know, all 180 of us or whatever, which if you think about it, it kind of sounds like a ginormous disaster, but they end up planning it fairly well. We did a really cool opening tour and I think it was kind of unique and I think it was so unique and probably so chaotic that they chose to not do it um, ever again, if I remember right. I don't think they've done anything like it since. Um, I went in 2017, by the way. So that was almost four years ago, which makes me want to cry. But we started in Munich. And I want to say every day of the opening tour was either like a half day or a full day in whatever city that we were in. But we all were told to fly from Seattle, from LAX, wherever, to Munich. So I took uh, a flight by myself, which was absolutely terrifying, at least at the time, because I was nervous and scared and I didn't want to study abroad for four months in a place I didn't know without my family. Um, So I flew by myself 13 hours to Dusseldorf and then I took a quick little layover to Munich. Then from Munich, we, I don't think we stopped in Austria, but we definitely took the bus. We took the bus the whole way. Um, We went straight from Munich, I think to the top of Italy. We did some exploration in Northern Italy, stayed a few places, and then made our way all the way down to Florence. Um, If I did enough digging, I'd tell you every little minor city, but you probably don't care enough. And it's, it's not that big of a deal, but it was a really good introduction to what it's like in Europe. It was my first time there. Uh, For all my European listeners, you're probably just laughing at the way I'm talking about this, but it was kind of intimidating. I mean, for you all, traveling from country to country is kind of, I think, in a way similar for what it's like for us traveling from state to state. So it feels a little bit more, I don't know, intimidating for I would say, at least for me as an American, traveling to different countries versus, oh, I'm just, you know, popping over to Idaho. I'm going to 
Oregon, whatever, because it feels like it's just next door. But I think, I don't know, maybe I'm totally wrong on this, but it feels like that's kind of a similar experience. Like you're just popping over to a different country, but it feels like, whoa, in my mind, like that's mind boggling. So that was really neat, though, because we took the bus. We were all together. I got to see what the countrysides were like and just places I had never thought I was going to see in my entire life. Even the letters to Juliet, we went to go see that in that cute little city in Italy. Oh, my golly. What's it called? I'm sure you're like screaming it into the microphone right now or into your earbuds. But anyways, we went there and then we ended our trip in Florence, of course. Then I want to say the first weekend or the second weekend, uh, a few of us kind of arranged. And by a few of us, I mean like 30 students because, you know, sometimes you start to travel in numbers or if one person has an idea to go and like their whole friend group is going, everybody gets excited and they all want to go together and then word of mouth travels. And then once you hear plane planes, once you hear plans are made and you want to be involved and all it takes is just a train ride over, everybody wants to go. So that's what we did. We all went over to Cinque Terre. That was so beyond cool. And I wasn't even on my list. Like I hadn't even really thought about it. I was like, oh, I guess sure. Like I'll go. Which now, you know, a lot of people can reference because the movie Luca has come out and it's so beyond adorable and cute. And literally from that movie alone, I left it watching the credits like I'm going to name my son Luca. Like that was the cutest stinking movie I've ever seen in my life. And it kind of popularized Monterosso, which is one of the cities, one of the five cities of Cinque Terre. So it was a really neat place. I'm super glad that I went. And I, I think that was one of the things I learned when I was there, every place that I had fairly no or low expectations for, I ended up loving the most because every city in my mind that was just held to these super high standards, I was really intimidated by, or I kept thinking like, oh, I have to go to this place. Everybody talks about it. And then once you get there, you're like, this is what everybody's talking about. But in the end, everything's still super, super cool. At least it was to me. I was like a I don't know, not a deer in headlights, but just somebody who goes in like, ha, like rose colored glasses, you know? So we did that the first weekend. Uh, I want to say the weekend after that was Oktoberfest, I think, which was kind of funny because I remember thinking like, oh, that's a bummer. Like we were just in Munich. Now we're going back to Munich, but no bummer whatsoever. If you go to Europe in the fall and like, you know, COVID's not a thing, whatever, you absolutely must go to Oktoberfest. I want to say that was probably just like one of the highlights of my entire life, like that weekend as a whole. I just went with good friends. We just had a good time. We didn't put too much pressure on ourselves. I still have my dirndl. I literally just brought it home like from California to my house here because I wanted it with me so badly. It's green. It's cute. I, I think it's cute. And I was, it was just a dream for me, you know, like I was like, give me pretzels, give me beer, like give me everything. It was, it was perfect. It was so perfect. And all of our friends spent most of the time in like the study abroad stereotypical beer house because that's where everybody goes. And it was actually kind of neat because if you had other friends that were studying abroad in Spain, for example, like there was a lot of students from Gonzaga that went to a program in Madrid. They all went to Oktoberfest as well. So it was kind of like a little mini reunion. So because of that, people wanted to see their friends and whatnot. So they would go to the same 
beer hall all together. And that was fun. You know, like I got to see a few people when I went there for a brief period of time, but we spent most of our time in other beer halls because we just didn't want to be kind of categorized as stereotypical study abroaders. And we met so many cool Europeans that were just non-study abroad people, you know, like actual locals. And that was really cool. I felt a little bit more authentic in doing it that way. That's me like trying to be cool. But either way, it was a really, really neat experience. Would highly, highly recommend. The following weekend, I think I'm like getting rough on my weekends here, but I'm totally digressing. Then we went to Barcelona, which was another place I just kind of, I don't know, like it wasn't that I didn't think much about it, but I just kind of had never really thought about Spain too much. Like in that vacation vibe. I thought always it was a super beautiful country. And I'm like, yeah, it would be cool to go there one day. But it wasn't like top of my bucket list, which again, made it one of my absolute favorite vacations. Vacation is a weird word, but I guess places to visit. It was absolutely incredible. So, so, so much fun. And we kind of went during a weird time, but it ended up being just perfect. I think it was the beginning of October. So It wasn't that touristy, but it was still warm enough that we were wearing sundresses and like sweating and just having so, so, so much fun. For most of the places that we went to, we mainly stayed in Airbnbs. I think that was the option that felt just kind of the safest to us. A lot of people stayed in hostels, which is totally a fine option too. Um, Even for Oktoberfest, we found an Airbnb last minute. It ended up being like a spare bedroom, pretty much the size of this office where four of us stayed, like just basically as a place to sleep, which was fine for us. Like we didn't care whatsoever. But I think if you're comfortable, hostels are totally fine. But for me, like I just, I preferred the Airbnb style. That's totally just my preference, but you do you. Uh, The next place I visited, maybe a few weekends in between, I was in Florence doesn't really matter. Uh, The next place I visited was Prague, which as I mentioned before, was a place I was absolutely dying to go to. And it was everything, just everything. It was so beautiful and so cold, so cold. Uh, One of my sister's best friends studied abroad there. I don't know for a full semester or just for a long period of time, but she gave us a lot of good recommendations. So we kind of had a little bit of a lay of the land and that was just Oh my golly, it was incredible and it was everything I thought I was going to be and I got so many cool knickknacks like to bring back to my grandma and she just was so appreciative and yeah, it was absolutely beautiful and that's why I have that Praha shirt that a lot of people will comment on in my videos because I sometimes wear it when I'm working out and I think I'm actually going to turn it into a t-shirt quilt with a lot of other study abroad things. Um I'm, oh my gosh, I'm getting too excited. I have so many other things I need to mention. But uh, one of the things that I chose to collect along the way was not t-shirts. I thought about that and then I thought I have so many t-shirts, but I collected ornaments. And if you're surprised, don't be because that is the most me thing ever. But yes, I, I collected Christmas ornaments everywhere I went. Surprisingly, it was not hard to find. I think I only had one broken just this past year uh, from Keith. And it's not his fault, but it also kind of kind of hurt a lot. It kind of sucked, but it's fine. Anyways, the next place that we visited was Krakow or Krakow in Poland. That was beyond, beyond cool. And that was one of the uh, 
trips I went on that was actually organized by my school where they took everybody kind of on like organized activities. It didn't feel like a field trip, but it didn't also not feel like a field trip. But it was one of the trips that they offered. I want to say maybe at the beginning of the semester, they offered up like five different locations, you know, that they would take X amount of students to. Uh, and they would essentially just, you know, do maybe a dinner or two. They would put you up in a really nice hotel. They might take you on a certain activity. Like when we were in Krakow, for example, we went to a concentration camp. We went to Auschwitz. And I was very, very determined to get a spot on that trip because I knew it was something that was very, very important and something that I really, really wanted to see. So that was probably one of the hardest weekends because it was absolutely, I mean, horrifying in every single way to go to a concentration camp and just to see everything in person that you've studied for so many years and learned about in school. And then you see it right in front of your eyes. Absolutely horrific. And then you learn that the whole thing is put together by Holocaust survivors. It, I, I have to stop talking about it. I'm going to get too emotional. Uh, but that was it was a really cool trip. And I was actually very thankful that I decided to do that through the school because I think it would have been maybe just a bit harder to coordinate without enough knowledge of the area or of Krakow in general uh, without, you know, having them as a little bit of guidance. The last like big trip that I also went on with the school was to um, Budapest in Hungary. That was amazing. It was kind of like a random, oh, I guess like I'd go to Hungary as well. But I think I spent a lot of my trip going to a lot of the Eastern countries, which was really, really cool because that's where a lot of my heritage is. And I spent a lot of the time like learning so much about so many things that I've been taught growing up, you know, within my family. So that was really neat. And I really ended up liking Budapest a lot. And I went to the Budapest baths. Um, that was really cool and a little bit I don't know. It was really early and it was really cold out, but then you go in the baths, you're like, wow, this is, it was really, really beautiful. I want to say my last trip, or I mean, these might be out of order, but one of the last, at least big things that I did was going to Paris with Keith. And if you've listened to my Keith episode, then you've already heard that story. And it's, it's a story that deserves its own episode. But Paris was also one of those locations that was on a low expectation level in my mind because I feel like I grew up in the era where people had Paris everything like Paris bedspreads Paris photos on their wall Eiffel Tower pictures on their wall people were just obsessed with the idea of Paris and I never got it that was just never me so I was going into it thinking you know what like this is gonna be cool I'm gonna get to see my boyfriend it's gonna be so much fun we're going there for a week but you know Paris is just gonna be the background but Absolutely no. Like just no. It was absolutely the foreground. We went to Disneyland in Paris. I cried at the top of the Eiffel Tower. If you know, you know. It was it was perfect. Um, we also did a quick little day trip on Thanksgiving actually to Brussels in Belgium. I also have heritage in Belgium as well. So I wanted to go see that. And it was perfect. I wouldn't trade it for the world. I did an interesting route there. I took an overnight sleep train uh, from Florence to Paris, which was kind of sad because I wanted to see all of the beautiful, beautiful scenery that I would have seen if I was awake or during the daytime, like going through the Swiss Alps. Hello. Uh, but I didn't, (laughs) I didn't think it was 
I think it was too much money for me to fly or I, I just wanted to save time or something like that for when Keith was going to arrive. But either way, um, now I always have to recommend Paris as if nobody's recommended Paris before. It was fantastic. I was a bit bummed though because all of my friends went to the United Kingdom for their Thanksgiving break because Gonzaga and, and Florence gave us, I, I think, a week off or at least a week off of classes, something like that. So essentially, you could work it out that you had maybe 10 days off. And most people went to the UK because it was the farthest from where we were, kind of. So they might do Dublin, they might do London, etc. So I never got to go to any of those places. But that just means I have to go back. I have to do another trip. I have to go a little bit longer next time. Uh, Gosh, that would be amazing. But yeah, I mean, in general, I never regretted a single place that I went to. I never had a bad experience. It was always so much fun. And I think just doing research and going with a good group of friends and planning things out in advance, you know, not buying tickets at the last minute and not um, waiting to book Airbnbs the last minute is really, really helpful. We did get a bit screwed because everybody that went to let's say London, for example, that stayed abroad before us, they would come back home and they'd say, airfare is so cheap, you know, you can get on Ryanair for like $40 and then you can fly everywhere. And we're like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. Well, that's when you're flying out of a major airport. Florence didn't have a major airport. If you went to Rome, that might be the case, but you'd have to first get to Rome from Florence, which at the end of the day, it was just too much time for the most part. So we ended up paying probably $200 round trip for flights, which don't get me wrong, is fantastic. But I think we went into it thinking that our flights and our airfare was just going to be a whole lot cheaper and it wasn't. So be mindful of the local airport that you're by. If you're in some place like Florence, that's not as major of a city as London, as Paris, as Rome, you might pay a bit more than those really, really cheap Uh, airlines. I did get screwed over on a flight one time. I think it was on my way to Budapest, but my flight got canceled. Uh, But there was other people that were also getting their flight canceled as well that were with me. So I was kind of, you know, commiserating, but we had to eventually take, I think a train to Rome. And then we took some, some airline called Wizz Air think it was W-I-Z-Z, something like that. We took Wizz Air to Poland or Hungary, I forget which one. And the whole time, it's like a 10 p.m. flight, you know, because it was the last one of the day. Everybody's flights got canceled. This thing's booked, fully packed, super crowded. All the lights are on. They're trying to sell you things the entire flight. They're like blasting music. They're trying to sell you perfumes and CDs and stuff. I'm like, what is this whiz air? And the whole thing's like bumping up and down. I don't know. I got there safely. That's all that mattered. Um, pack light. Anytime you go anywhere, pack light. I always brought this like little carry-on duffel. It was about this big. It was red. I don't know why the red detail is important, but it was red. And the straps I wore as a backpack. And my friend taught me that. She's like, oh yeah, my sister just wears her duffel as a backpack. I'm like, what are you talking about? But I think I got it from like Walmart or something. I don't know, before I left. It was totally fine, super easy to travel with. You just stuffed everything in there. And then I just took the straps and I put it on like a backpack so I didn't have to stumble through the airport with this really annoying duffel. So always have a carry-on and make them small enough that Wizz Air will accept them as carry-ons and won't make you check them and then you'll have to pay a whole bunch of dollars or euros. You don't want to have to worry about that. It's just, 
I could go on for hours. I'm looking at the clock and I've been talking for like 50 some minutes. Um, I could rant for hours, wax poetic about my time abroad. But moral of the story is that it, it was just the absolute best experience that I almost didn't go on. I almost didn't go because I was too prideful. I thought Florence was too common for every other student to go to. Um, and I was trying so hard to not be that student who studied abroad and didn't talk and didn't, didn't stop talking about being abroad. I tried my best. I really did. But at the end of the day, you know what? I was very fortunate to have this opportunity and I'm so glad that I took it and I wouldn't trade it for anything. You know, it's one of the most special places in the entire world in my book. And, you know, now I have such a special connection to it that I'll always have those memories of, you know, it's just, it's spectacular in every way. I feel like I need a whole other podcast just to rant about how amazing Florence is, but truly it's just, it's one of the coolest cities because it's not even a city. I mean, it's really like this elaborate town, I guess, that is so walkable. And I think that's what makes it so study abroad friendly or just so friendly in general, because you really don't need a car. You, I mean, you do if you're in the outskirts, but if you're really in the heart of downtown, like near the Duomo, you just can walk everywhere and you can see everything. And then you can just learn the streets and it's just fantastic in every single way. And the food is absolutely unbeatable. I had some of the best stinking pistachio gelato of my entire life. It was the absolute best. <laughs> and I, I wouldn't trade my experience for the entire world. As I mentioned in the beginning, this is my journal. I am not a journalist at all. I actually hate journaling. It is one of my just it's like the bane of my existence. I have so many thoughts and they come so rapidly, even talking them out. Sometimes I'm like, not fast enough, not fast enough. Like my brain is going. Blah, 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 blah. So the thought of sitting down and like painfully writing things out is just not my forte, but I force myself to keep this journal and I've actually never looked back on it. I think because it hurts too much to sometimes like recall the memories because I miss it so much, but I forced myself to journal as much as I could. Mainly I would do it on the flights home every weekend or whenever I could, maybe on a Sunday or just some, when I had some downtime and I would kind of share everything that I did on that trip or in that past week or things that I didn't want to forget. I even have like bus tickets that I kept. I have uh, coasters from <laughs> Oktoberfest that I kept in here. Uh, it's it's really cheesy. And like I said, I haven't even gone back and written this. The first thing I wrote in this journal was, ciao a tutti. <laughs> it's kind of embarrassing, but um, I mean, I, I couldn't have done this experience and forgotten everything because I know that that's how my brain works. Like I would have just gone and I would have let everything slip from my brain, but now I need to go back and, and reread all of them. The really fun things that just put the biggest smile on my face. So I would encourage you if you are sitting abroad, um, to keep a journal of some sort, if you don't like pen and paper, if you absolutely hate it, like me, maybe do it on your phone in some capacity, but having this is really neat. And I'm actually pretty mad at myself because I remember I stopped after Paris, I think. So there's almost like a month, like my birthday on. Yeah. I think my last thing in here is November 17th. I, I didn't 
write anything. I think maybe just because I got, oh my gosh, I'm, I tried to like be so Italian in this. This is the last thing I wrote. Got dinner at un cafe and said, buona notte. <laughs> okay, Taylor. Um, sounds great. But yeah, I think once I went to Paris, I maybe forgot or I just got too lazy and I'm, I'm mad at myself now because there are some things like I did obviously in Christmas time that I don't have any memories of or, you know, in the journal. So that makes me a little bit sad. Okay. A few quick questions from the Q&A just so I can get to these and I don't forget. Um, how did you and Keith handle the long distance? Very good question and a very obvious question, of course, because he and I had been dating since the pretty much first day of Gonzaga, kind of, whatever. <laughs> um, it was hard. It was really, really hard. I think I was hell-bent on going abroad. I didn't really care where I was going. I just wanted to go. So I think I expressed that to him from almost like day one, like I'm going abroad. I'm sorry. And it was a very selfish thing of me to do. And I don't think he was happy about it, to be honest with you. I think he had a really hard time. And he he was just very to himself in college a lot of the times. He just had a harder experience, I would say, in general. So having me away for four months plus summer because we don't live near each other or our families didn't. I mean, I would go home every summer to Southern California and he'd be up in Washington. So it wasn't um, fabulous. We were basically apart for nearly like seven or eight months until he came to to visit me in Paris. So that was really neat. And it was really special that we had that opportunity to be reunited, you know, but um, we made it work as much as possible. I remember my mom gave us a lot of like good advice because she had a long distance relationship when she went to Europe. Uh, and she just said to never schedule times to talk like every single Monday, we're going to talk at 8 p.m. But let's say, you know, you wanted to go off and do something with your friends that you randomly booked at the last minute and he's waiting around to talk at exactly 8 p.m. every single Monday. There's going to start to be a lot of resentment and it's going to start to just kind of pile on and it's not going to be fun. So make your time as abundant as possible. Talk to each other when you can, but don't make it this huge obligation to talk to each other every single night at every single time, etc. Do your best, of course, but I mean, I didn't have cellular connection when I was there. I lived off of Wi-Fi, which was, you know, harder to find. I would start class at, I think, eight in the morning and he was going to bed because I think it was when I was there, nine hours difference. So that wasn't great. And um, it was just kind of like we were always missing each other. So we tried to talk uh, sometimes at night. We would do FaceTimes and whatnot, but I was also in the pensione and it wasn't super fun to talk with, with my roommates in the room. So then I would try and find like a different spot, but the Wi-Fi would be bad. It wasn't great. Like it was, it was definitely hard, but you know, we texted often and we did our best and I don't think we wrote each other. Maybe I sent a postcard once or twice, but anyways, it, we made it work because we knew that we wanted to be together past Florence. I don't know how to put this without just putting it very bluntly, but I would say if you're studying abroad and you are in a relationship that you might have a little hunch you think is not a forever thing, do not try and make it work long distance. It's just not worth it. It's not super fun and it puts you in a lot of pain and it's really, really hard for that amount of time. So if you feel like you're in a relationship that you don't see is a forever thing, 
don't put yourself through that pain. That's all. That's all I'll say on that for now. Um, how did you manage financially when you were abroad? Um, it was it was pretty hard, especially because you know I was in a class of however many people with some friends that I knew pretty well, and then other friends that I became close with. And you just never know people's financial situations, and you never want to assume. So if somebody was booking an Airbnb for the whole group, you know it kind of would get maybe awkward if somebody didn't want to spend X amount of money that somebody else had booked for. So it can be really, really tricky. Um, I tried my best. I mainly used a lot of my scholarship money to finance my entire trip. In fact, that's exactly what I did. So I was very fortunate in that sense because otherwise it would have been very difficult. I also was, I'd say maybe a bit dumb and naive. Um, I was... I was 20, I think, when I was there, 2021. I turned 21 when I was in um, Paris, actually. You all know that story. Um, but yeah, I, I turned 20 when I was, or I turned 21 when I was there. And either way, I was not naive. Oh my God, I can't talk. I was naive because um, I think the summer before I went, I spent the whole summer in New York. And I worked the whole summer and I got a very, very small amount of money. I got like a stipend for a large amount of work. And I pretty much used all of that money that I saved up in New York um, on my trip. Like that was a very dumb thing to do. But because I just wanted to experience everything, I just did. So I didn't use pretty much every penny, but I felt like I did. So I worked really hard, I suppose. And then I spent all of that money, (laughs) uh, which wasn't great. But I mean, things are a little bit cheaper for the most part. Uh, I think if you avoid tourist traps and you go to very authentic small mom and pop shops, you're going to find things that maybe cater to your budget a little bit better. Uh, Try to like not, at least in my opinion, try to not just do every single thing that everybody else does. Like don't read those travel books or those things that they say, oh yeah, like you have to do this and this, this huge crowd of travelers all do this together. I feel like that's just kind of a trap and you just spend a lot more money than you need to you can make your way and you can still have so much more fun when you do things that aren't through the stereotypical like Google search. So try your best to go around that and I feel like you'll save money that way. But it definitely helped that I had meals, you know, every single night during the week. I never went out unless I really wanted to like try something in the city and I had no other time. Uh, Or on the weekends, I mean, when we were traveling about, you try to be fickle, but you do your best. And also I had to say no to a few things just because I was starting to get scarce of my money and I didn't want to run myself dry. So I had to pick and choose. And in that case, I was just grateful that I got to go see a little bit more of Florence. Um, somebody asked if I liked it. Yes, I absolutely loved it. It was hard. It was very, very hard. I was very homesick at some points. That was, you know, why I cried at the top of the Eiffel Tower. And sometimes I think you bottle up so many emotions and then you let it all out all at once at some really, really bad points. I remember right before we were leaving, like our literal last night, one of my closest friends, even still to this day, uh, I like exploded on her for literally no reason. And I still feel bad about it to this day. And I mean, in some ways it was minor, but in other ways, like to me, anything that's a minor explosion was still huge. And I still feel so guilty about it and so 
just gross because I was just tired and I was cranky and it had nothing to do with her and everything to do with me. And at the end of the day, you know, she, of course, I hopefully knows that I love her so much, but I just, you know, had my, I had my experience and I was tired and I was ready to just be with my family and be home. And yeah, so it's, it's hard because, you know, you're out of your comfort zone, but you also grow so much and you learn so much and you do things that you never thought you'd ever do in your life. So if you have the opportunity, if you're even thinking about it, do it, just do it. I promise you. Let me asked if I regret the location that I chose. Absolutely not. I would say, like I mentioned, I loved that I went to Gonzaga and Florence, but at the same time, I sometimes wish I wasn't in such an organized program because at times I felt like I was just another student studying abroad in the same city that everybody else studies abroad in. But also there's a reason that everybody goes to Florence. And I think if you're very respectful and you're very kind to the local Florentines, then they're very kind to you back. So just try to be very respectful in that way. But the only reason I have like the smallest amount of regret is just feeling like a little bit of basicness, I guess. Did you have people you already knew going with you or did you meet new people? For the most part, I knew a lot of people as acquaintances because Gonzaga is a small school, but I became really good friends with people that I wouldn't have met otherwise. And even like one of my closest friends and one of our closest friends when we were there are now dating. And like that is the coolest thing ever too. So maybe you'll even find love like Lizzie and Paolo. (laughs) Like literally it was like that, but even better because we were best friends all semester and then they're dating and they're the cutest. Um, do I have any regrets from studying abroad? No, honestly, I don't think so. I mean, if anything, it's just like trying to say yes to absolutely everything. Like even when you are that tired, just keep saying yes, which I know sounds ridiculous. I mean, smart yeses, golly gee, smart yeses, like getting gelato. That's what I'm referring to, but <laughs> just trying to like do more things like that. I think is totally worth it. Okay, wait, perfect question to end on. How to avoid packing too much or too little? This person says that they packed way too light. This is a great question to end on because it's kind of like a good tip, at least in my opinion. And it's actually a tip from one of my best friends, Alex. So thank you, Alex, for your tip because she studied abroad in London like the year before I did. The best tip I can give you is to pack everything kind of like a capsule wardrobe, but essentially in the same color scheme. And it's going to seem repetitive, you know, after four or five months of wearing the same clothes, like you're going to get bored of things. There are things that I left there. There are probably a few things that I purchased. Like I got a pair of boots there. I got a few t-shirts. Like there are some things that, you know, you bring along, but for the most part, pack when you're leaving from home in things that are always going to complement one another. I would say something I definitely did not expect was the fluctuating weather. Like when we left for Italy or even when we were in Munich, it was burning hot, like just so stinking hot. I mean, it was, I think the beginning of September. So it was still summer, but by the time we left, it was freezing, like so freezing. I was wearing long johns and jeans and multiple t-shirts and a coat and a beanie and a scarf and gloves. So stinking cold in Florence. So pack accordingly. Um, if you have to buy things, you know, you have to buy things. But when you're packing from home, like if you're going to stick to something, like let's say just neutral colors, pack a neutral jacket, pack layers that are going to complement one another, um, pants, boots, 
comfortable shoes for sure. I wore Birkenstocks everywhere, at least until it got too cold. And then I think I wore uh, probably Converse. I wore a few different sandals, some that I'm even staring at right now. Um, Don't worry too much about your shoes. I got a backpack that I absolutely loved and it had like a few safety handles. Um, That was really helpful. I never had a problem with pickpocketing or anything like that. Just be smart, be safe, you'll be fine. But just try and like make as many outfits out of what you already have and you'll be totally fine. Like that was the smartest thing that I could have done for myself because otherwise I'm a terrible packer because I think I'm going to need this one thing for that one occasion and blah, 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 blah. And you never need it. Like you just don't. Stick to your basics. Stick to what you know and what you love and what you're comfortable in. Bring your layers. Um, bring layers to complement other layers and just have fun. And that is enough rambling about setting abroad that I think that you could ever handle. My computer is literally about to die too. So now I'm getting nervous. Oh my golly. Oh my golly. Okay. Hang on, please. But I love you all so much. Thank you so much for listening. If you want more information on studying abroad, I will do it next time. But until then, I love you all. Stay safe. Um, Let me know in the comments if you have any more questions, specifics I can answer in my DMs. Stay safe. I keep talking about the same thing. I got to go. My computer's going to die. I can't even focus. Okay. (laughs) Goodbye. Goodbye.